Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation. So sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stitch Please podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Wolfork, and I am joined today by someone who makes my heart smile, Miss Stephanie Dean, who is the creator, designer, inventor behind Cinnamon Annie. Now, this is a cloth doll in the kind of rag doll tradition that Stephanie has brought forward and kind of made alive in the modern era. And I just think that's so powerful and so important and necessary. So I am so happy to welcome Stephanie Dean to the program. Welcome, Step Stitches. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very, very glad to be here. And you sound like you to talk about dolls and sewing. And my family's not ruling it out. It's like, really, we want to hear more about it. Somebody wants to listen. I'm happy to be here. That's why I started the podcast, too, so that I could talk about as much as I wanted to because nobody else in my house was interested. Oh, right. There you go, everybody. See, pursue your dreams. Exactly. I want to get started by sharing a personal story with you. I was reading about your work and how you were explaining how your mother in the early 70s was having trouble finding you dolls that look like you. And I, too, am a child of the early 70s. And I have to share with you this. I still have mine. I'm the oldest of three girls. And my mother bought this rag doll top, but the bottom was for us to put our pajamas in. And it was kind of like a bed decoration. So each of us either put your pajamas under the pillow because, you know, with three girls, three little ones, it's like, where's your pajamas? I don't know. I don't know. What are pajamas? Did I own a pair of pajamas? I don't know what they are. You know? <laughs> and so she was determined that we would keep up with these. And so here's mine. From oh, little. And on the back, this is where you put your pajamas. I got a lot of ideas going through my head right now. Anyway, <laughs> and you sit it on your bed. And that is so like, this is amazing. Me a bit, you know, it's like with the hands, yeah. covered button nose, clearly meant to be a little sweet black rag doll type. That is amazing. That is amazing. I'm amazed <laughs> that I still have it. And I flex on my sisters all the time. And you should. And you should. <laughs> Not my fault that I keep up with my thing. <laughs> but welcome. And so let's talk a little bit about your childhood and your relationship to dolls. Now, you were saying that finding a Black doll in the early 1970s in the United States was an adventure. Yes. Can you talk about that experience and what you recall as a child? Okay, yeah. I grew up in the deep south in Albany, Georgia, way down south. Mm -hmm. But my mother... She was an educator. She was an elementary school teacher. And so she was very cognizant of me having black dogs. And so she would go, you know, with the big Sears catalog, right? Yes. And so she would order me dolls. That's how I'm figuring that it happened now that I look back on it. That she would order dolls and put them up for me during the year because she was determined that I would have the black dolls. I don't have that doll, but I do remember the first one that she gave me. It was one of those... Plastic dolls that didn't bend at all. You know what the lady exactly. You want to hug the doll and the doll's like, hey, that was her. That was her. You know, with the molded hair. Yes. But I had that one as very little. And then she bought me one that kind of became the doll that I really just carried through my childhood. And I actually lost it as an adult. Had it all the way oh, through to my food. 
So I recently went back and found one on eBay that I think was very beautiful because <laughs> I just wanted to have it. She was very cognizant because I was one that I really played with my dolls. I love dolls growing up. I mean, those are my early memories of toys of growing up. It's really playing with my dolls, playing house. I was just into that. And I do have one quick story. This is how crazed I was. <laughs> Out in our yard, you know, we lived in like the suburban Albany. We had this big tree that me and a friend would sit under and play with our dolls. So I told my little, I was about six-ish, and I told my little friend to watch the dolls when I get in the house to do something. So I went in the house, and I came back out, and my, this was my brother, who was like younger than I am, and one of his friends went down the street, had my doll in the street. Then my precious doll was in the street, in the street? Laying down in the street, in the middle of the street. Did cars drive on? Luckily, we lived in a neighborhood with mostly houses, so there weren't cars going up and down the street. But they wanted to conduct an experiment to see <laughs> what would happen if a car ran over my dog. Now, nothing had happened. I got out there before all this happened, because luckily, not too many cars went up and down the street. I was in sin. I still remember to this day. That's probably the only fight I ever got in. I would have danced. <laughs> she was swinging. Here are the results of your experiment, young brother. My brother, I'm glad that you like science. I remember their faces to this day being astonished. Like, why is she tripping? Because, you know, their mind is like the G.I. Joes and stuff like that. You know, they do. And my mother said she was looking at somehow and so was all this commotion going on out in the yard. She looks out in the yard. Yeah, she sees me out there <laughs> winging. She's like, y'all can catch these hands. How about that? Catch hands. How dare you? Exactly. So that is my earliest memory. One of my earliest memories is definitely one of them as dolls. I actually did have a Raggedy Ann doll, one of the white ones with the red hair. Yeah. And I had that because and she, my mother didn't really want to buy the Raggedy Ann. She wasn't in the Raggedy Ann or whatnot, but I just carried on. Because you know what's popular at that time. I just carried on and carried on and carried on. So she finally bought me a Raggedy Ann. And I actually do still have that raggedy in. So anyway, that wow. is my childhood. <laughs> that is incredible. And then you talked about how you played house, you might play school. Why do you think dolls are important for a child's imagination? What do dolls give a child? Like, why was it important for your mother to give you a black doll? What do dolls give a child that maybe puzzles or blocks or some other type of toy doesn't give? I think several things. I think on just a level of they teach imagination and all of that. But I think a doll can become a friend that's always there. The doll can become anything that the child wants it to become. It can become a playmate. It can become a tool for learning. That's how we children learn. Or can one of the ways children learn is that they can use that doll to imitate their parents and family. That's how you learn how to take care of something or yeah. whatever. A doll also can be a conduit for a child's emotions. They can talk to the doll in a way that they maybe can't talk to their parents. They can tell things to the doll that they can't tell to somebody else, that kind of thing. And it's just something to love on in a way yeah. that is going to give you that love back unconditionally in a way. Even we have relationship with parents and all this growing up. 
But the doll sometimes is there, can be there, and can in the child's mind, can understand things that maybe parents can't tell. They can't tell everything that's happening. And the doll doesn't have to, I don't know, it just becomes like a mini-me in a lot of ways. Every can when you have that special doll. So that's, I think, some of the ways that why dolls become important. And why dolls, when you look back, I mean, all the way through prehistoric times, all the way back through time itself, dolls have been around for people, for children. Children have made dolls all the way through, no matter what was going on, no matter what's happening in a society. Children find ways to make dolls. That's right. And it's just so amazing to me. And like you have the different, the corn husk dolls. You have dolls that are made of different scraps. They make dolls out of sticks. Exactly. There's a phrase you used in your previous comment. You said it's like a little mini me. Mm-hmm. And the idea of the child pouring some messages about themselves into the creation and the style of play, I think is really important. And that's why I'm excited to hear about your commitment in Cinnamon Annie to supporting the needs of Black children in that. The idea that when we were coming up, so we mentioned that we're both kind of coming up through the early 1970s, there was not a lot of Black people on commercials. There may be a Black version of a doll, maybe, but it took a lot of deliberate effort. And my mother was also an elementary school teacher. And I think that that was part of her decision to make sure that we had at every possible opportunity, positive messages about ourselves. And so important. Yeah, my mom, like I said, was the same way, not just dolls. She did the same thing with books, that kind of thing. Went out of her way to find books featuring Black characters. And I I still remember the one story that just stayed with me about a little girl who looked like me with Mary Jo. I went back and found that book, too, (laughs) on eBay. Wow. And found it because it had so much impact on me. And a little girl's family looked like mine and everything. So I know the impact. Now, some of my daughter is 20. They keep getting older and I can't keep up. It's weird how, like, we stay, like, the same age, but they keep getting older and bigger and taller. And it's ridiculous. She'll be 23 and I was telling her that we growing up, we didn't grow up with a lot of what they have even today. And even from when she was little, it's yes. different to today. Very. There was no black girl magic back then. I mean, there was, but we didn't have any. There was, but we didn't call it that. We didn't call it that. Yes. It was that kind of thing. Even what's available today was not available back then. So that's right. Which I think, you know, I'm, I'm really glad about what's available today. And I really feel proud and good to be a part of it. Really be happy to be a part of it. Yes. Because that is just the most amazing thing when I see children, not just Black either. I've had parents with children of all races. And some of them, a lot of them have ordered Black dolls. And, you know, it's just amazing to see see a child interact with a cinnamon Annie doll. That is just amazing to me. <laughs> it really is. Hey, friends. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Stitch Please podcast. And did you know that there are three ways that I can listen to you? The first one is SpeakPipe on the Black Women Stitch website dot org. Go to talk to us and you can find the SpeakPipe there and you can leave a message. This works on mobile devices as well as on your laptop. The second way is during 30 minute Thursdays and that's 30 minutes on Instagram from 3 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. 
and then again on Clubhouse, which is a two-way audio program for mobile devices that allows you to talk back and forth with a group of friends around a singular issue such as sewing. So check those ways out. And then the third way that I'm really excited about is video chat. Using Marco Polo and Streamcast, you can send me a video message and I can send you a video message back. This is a feature only available for Patreon supporters and it's a lot of fun. So now that you know the three ways that you can speak to Black Women Stitch, please check them out. Two of them are free 99 and one is just for Patreon supporters. But anyway, you cut it. I am really looking forward to helping you get your stitch together. So hit me up. Let's talk about some of your involvement in with the Buy from a Black Woman movement. Now, Buy from a Black Woman is an organization, I believe, based in Georgia. Right. And it's designed to promote Black women-owned businesses. They offer a grant program. Can you talk a bit about how you got involved with them? Yeah, right here. Black Woman, the founder of Buy from Black Woman is Nikki Porsche, and it is founded out of Atlanta, but it's a nationwide organization. Yes. It came up more as a grassroots kind of organization. And Nikki's desire to see Black women businesses be able to grow and prosper and just have the same opportunities as others have. I can't remember how I can. I think I don't know how I can. Somewhere on the internet, I saw it probably. I don't even know how. And I started following the organization. They offer like educational resources and things like that. So just doing that and then became a plus for a grant. I applied from a grant from Bathroom Black Woman back in <laughs> years are rolling together here. 2019, 20, 2019, I think in a grant came. What year is this? 2015. And they offered some grants. And one of the grants, the grant that I applied for is called the Project Grant. Because then I had wanted to use that money. I wanted to write a children's book that correspond with the cinema nanny doll. Yes. And so I've written the manuscript. And so I was at the point of looking for illustrators and all this kind of stuff. This is going to be self-published. And so I applied for the grant to facilitate writing the illustration. Yes. So that I won $1,500. Then that allowed me to find an illustrator. That's Yeah, it was wonderful. I found an illustrator. And she actually was a Black British woman. So that was really neat. And so I found her. We illustrated the book and went on. I was able to publish it. Later on during the year, Bashkrum Black Woman had the Inspire Tour this past summer, right? Yeah. I think so. 2021. 2020, what year? Yeah, 2021. So I was able to participate in this. She had stops in Atlanta and Chicago. So I was right. able to participate with that. And then also they came back around in December and do that partnership with H&M. I have to mention that. The Inspire Tour, the market, everything was presented by with H&M. Yeah. So I was able to have cinnamon and send some dollars to New York. They had a holiday market for consecutive Saturdays in the H&M store in Times Square, which is their flagship store. And I have to say, I didn't have the opportunity to go up there like I really wanted to, but I have to say, they really put the bathroom Black Woman Marketplace to the forefront. Like in the back next to the dressing room. (laughs) (laughs) No, they actually had billboards outside. They wow. said, buy from a Black woman in Times Square. Wow. So, I mean, it was amazing what they did. So, I would encourage any Black woman business owner, 
to look and look at bathroom black woman like i say you know yes. and see what how you can become involved with it or take advantage of the resources because it is one organization that's out there mm-hmm. to specifically help black women business owners i love that and what i really love is that transformation from our mamas hunting up and down the Sears catalog in the J.C. Penney's <laughs> and trying to figure out the little Lionel play world happens to have a black yeah right? To go into Times Square and have people say, you can buy black women-owned products right. for and buy black women right here at this huge billboarded store. Like, that's incredible. It really is. It really is incredible. And so, like I said, I would encourage anybody. So, and I also had the opportunity, too, to win some grants from the Women's Net, the Amber Grant. Okay, tell me more about Amber Grant. Yes, I saw that. I don't know the program. Is uh, through an organization called Women's Net. Okay. And that's what they do. They provide grants to women-owned businesses. Wonderful. Okay. As time has gone on, the amounts that they have been able to give have really increased. So at the time that I applied, I think I won that grant. Lord have mercy. Years again. <laughs> I won that grant. I was genuinely. Don't worry. <laughs> it's not a quiz. It's not a quiz. We can look it up and put it in the show notes later. Don't worry about it. Very good. But January 2020 winner for, for Step Stitches and I won $10,000. Wonderful. They're giving $10,000 dollars a month plus other prizes to businesses and I love that I really love what they do they're very focused on the financial end of helping women own businesses get the funding and there aren't a lot of strings attached to it you don't have to jump through a thousand hoops to get it. You don't have to do all this and say, you know, they have, of course, their stipulations and the things that they require not for you to do it. But they trust you to use the money in the way that you feel is best. So I was able to win that. That was so, so helpful. I got a sewing machine. <laughs> I bought a sewing machine. Oh, my word. Yeah, I bought, I bought other equipment for my business. Equipment, supplies, infrastructure development, capacity building. These are the things that we need funding for because we don't right. inherit those type of structures. Exactly. There were so things that might come along, opportunities that might come along. I was able to take advantage of them without them being a strain. And then... Women's Net, oh my goodness, came back around to me. Oh, yes. They came back around to me and said, we know that the holiday season is your biggest season in all this. We want to give you (laughs) $25,000. They gave me. Happy holidays to Stephanie Edis and Annie. They awarded me a year-end grant to to help with the holidays because it's to to do. And so that was just... (sighs) Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And so with that one, it has just been amazing. That helped to, I was telling you, before I think we came on, I moved my sewing room down into our basement, which yes. we had a few years ago. But, you know, so I was able to move, get the furniture, got a big die cut machine, just the things that will be able to help with productivity. Yeah. And what the biggest thing is that that money right there allowed me to, for the holidays, because Miss Oprah called. Oh, said, yes. You are one of Oprah's favorite things. And that was right on the time. It was right on time. You need not be cutting out your dolls by hand when Oprah calls me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I was able to hire a seamstress. And it was wonderful because I was able to hire, contract a seamstress, another black woman business, 
My seamstress said, I don't even know who lives five minutes away from me. She was able to just come in and help. And it was really a help for both of us. I was able to help her too in her business. She's a seamstress. She does mostly alterations and clothes and all this kind of stuff. Well, what had happened with her business during the pandemic, that people weren't getting their clothes altered. People weren't going anywhere. So she kind of decided, should I get a part-time job or not? And so I was able to step in, no, you can help me. <laughs> you can do what you love and be compensated for it. Yes, that was probably one of the things that I liked the most about how all of this happened was to be able to. So we're going to, of course, keep working together through, you know, 2022. So. so that last quarter of 2021 was just explosive for you. It was crazy. Everything that happened, none of the stuff that I had on my little vision thing, but that I had on my... Did it blow your vision board out of the water? <laughs> That's why I haven't made anything history. I'm like, why make anything? But it was unbelievable. It's amazing that even Oprah's favorite things would see my little dolls. Well, here's something. There's a saying, and my friend shared this saying with me, and I'm not sure if it's from Wordsworth or something. I know I'm getting this wrong, but it's something like the things that we love, others will love too, and we will show them how. And there's something about your love of dolls, that same little girl that was swinging on her brother for his audacity and temerity <laughs> and lay a doll baby in the street, the street. hit by a car or kicks and giggles. That same little girl who was out there fighting for her doll is the same grown woman now who's been able to build around and within a community of Black women and women entrepreneurship that still keeps that love at the center of it. You know what I'm saying? That's what I find so beautiful about your story. This has been crazy because, of course, this is not what I went to school for. That's right. You're a social worker, right? Former elementary school teacher and a social worker. I was an elementary school teacher for years off. Well, I worked a while and had my kids. I was at home a lot and I went back to the classroom. So totally it was about 16 years. I was like, okay, that's enough of this. <laughs> 16 <laughs> years of elementary ed. I'm done. I'm done. My time was not, you know, really was. It was time I had that nudging. I had to move on. It was, I guess, and so I did the social work for a while. That's enough of that. And then all the time, or most of the time, especially doing the social work. And even when I was as a teacher, particularly the last, half of my teaching. I was sewing and doing crafts and things on the side, mostly just for fun. Yes. I have to say the teachers at my school, I taught a predominantly Black school, predominantly Black teachers. And I have to say that the teachers at my school were some of the first people that encouraged me in that. And I made these little tote bags, with little brown face dog pictures, cutouts on them. And they were like, oh, my God, so it just kind of encouraged me to pursue. So I have to give credit to Brownsville Elementary School teachers because they really provide that first boost of encouragement. Yes. And that's what I love. I love your story of encouragement. I love how these opportunities um, cross-pollinate with each other. And I love the open-heartedness of it as well. And I think that people say this a lot, Stephanie, but they don't do it very well. This idea of community over competition. People say that, but at the end of the day, they're also incredibly competitive. But I think that we have better success and more sustainable success when we work in community 
than when we're like individually scrabbling against each other. That's just like, what's the point? There is abundance. There is enough. 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 You know, yeah. and so I love how your story really proves that. It's pretty amazing. As we head to wrap up, tell me about what is next on the horizon for you. What kind of things are you looking forward to in the next iteration of your work? At this point, I am, you know how you pick a word of the year? I work with the gifts of So I picked the word of the year. My word of the year is wellness. So that is what I'm focusing on. My wellness, physically, mentally, spiritually, and all that. The wellness of my business also. So getting in there and doing the deep work, I guess, kind of thing to make sure that everything is going the way that it should be going. But this year has taught me to just do already good at make the dogs work on the dog. I don't know. Don't get caught up in, oh, this isn't happening. That isn't happening. Because, you know, before all this happened, I would get in there. Oh, my God, this isn't happening. How can I do this? You know, But once I just focus on making the dogs and making them the best that I can do, putting them out there, making my business the best that I can do, learning about it as much as I can, things just flow the way they're supposed to. So there are some things that I can't talk about that I've been told. That's okay. We will keep our eyes and ears peeled. <laughs> yeah. With bathroom blocks over and all that. So some things with them will be coming around this year, hopefully. And I'm just using this time to improve my business. There's some little things with the dolls. I'm always tweaking them and improving them and that kind of thing. So work on that. After such a last year being so much. Yes. So, so much. And so this year, I'm just floating a little bit. <laughs> it's time to float a little bit. Part of your wellness is going to be some ease. Exactly. Opportunities will come and that's wonderful. They will. But just kind of get back to basics and do some things and improve productivity, getting the dolls out quicker and better yeah. and all that. All that kind of behind the scenes stuff. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask you one last question. The theme of the Stitch Please podcast is we will help you get your stitch together. I want you to give someone advice. If someone said, hey, Stephanie, what do I need to do to get my stitch together? <laughs> what would you say? I would say, and I got this from a lady named Tara Swagger, Swigger Swagger, and she says, follow your enthusiasm. And so that is what I've done. And that's what I try to tell my kids to what you're enthusiastic about. Follow that deep down into it. Learn about it. Love on it. Do the best that you can. Because if you decide to turn this into a business, you're going to have to be enthusiastic about it. Because it's a lot of work. Yes, it is. It's hard to work really hard on something that you don't really care about. Kind of that meshing of your enthusiasm and what you're good at. Try to find that little thing right there, that Venn diagram. What are you really good at and what are you enthusiastic and how can you bring those two together? When you do that, you'll be in a really good place. <laughs> I love it. And with that, thank you so much, Stephanie Dean of Step Stitches and Cinnamon Annie. We are grateful to have you with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. This has been fun. You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you supporting us by listening to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us with questions, you can contact us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, 
You can do that by supporting us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can find Black Women Stitch there in the Patreon directory. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the project with things like editing, transcripts, and other things to strengthen the podcast. And finally, if financial support is not something you can do right now, you can really, really help the podcast by rating it and reviewing it anywhere you listen to podcasts that allows you to review them. So I know that not all podcast directories or services allow for reviews, but for those who do, for those that have like a star rating or just ask for a few comments, if you could share those comments and say nice things about us at the Stitch Please podcast, that is incredibly helpful. Thank you so much. Come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together. 